In the book of Samuel, the people of God asked God to give them a king. And so God chose Saul. But Saul was a man full of insecurities. So on today, we're going to look at God's attempt to fix Saul's insecurities. Make sure you stay tuned. You were listening to Good Treasure Podcast Show with your Bible teacher, Darius Good. He is the senior pastor of Bible Gospel Center and founder of Good Treasure Ministries. He is the author of the books, Unlocking Godly Wisdom, Fear of the Lord, David, Man of War, and the children's book series, The Adventures of Rai Rai. For more information, visit the website at dariusgood.com. For more information regarding the church, visit the church's website at bgc.family. And now, here's your Bible teacher, Darius Good. Thank you for joining us on today. You're listening to the Good Treasure Podcast Show. My name is Darius Good. I am the senior pastor of Bible Gospel Center, which is located in Hamden, Connecticut. To learn more about the church, as well as our service times and the ability to join us virtually, visit the church's website at bgc.family. That's bgc.family. Visit my own website, dariusgood.com, to learn more about myself, as well as the music I've written and produced, as well as the books that I have. I have children's books, I have a comic book about King David, and also have several spiritual books that I've written. For all that information, visit the website today. That's dariusgood.com. If you're listening by radio and you miss any portions of any of the teachings from this show, I post all the episodes on the podcast show. And so you can go to the website and you can learn about the two different platforms that we have currently. And so both podcast shows are there, the Divorced Christian, as well as the Good Treasure podcast. And both podcast shows are available on Spotify as well as Apple. And so that information is also on my website at dariusgood.com. Just click on podcast shows. On today, this is episode 26, and it's entitled God's Attempt to Fix Saul's Insecurities. Saul was the man that God selected to be king over the nation of Israel. Now, I know some teach that God never wanted there to be a king over Israel. That's not quite what he said. So if we go back to Genesis chapter 17, what we'll see is the covenant between Abraham and God. And in that covenant, God explained to him, this is Genesis 17, verse six. He said, I will make thee exceeding fruitful and I will make nations of thee and kings shall come out of thee. Now we also have the word spoken regarding Sarah, Abraham's wife. And this is what God said regarding her at verse 16. I will bless her and give thee a son also of her. Yes, I will bless her and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall be of her. So we have this prophetic word that God has spoken over Abraham, over Sarah, before the birth of Isaac. And it's revealing his will that not only were nations, nations will come out of them. And of course, we missed the full concept of what that means because he said nations, plural. And so he's not simply talking about the nation of Israel. 
And though we can point to other nations like the Moabites and I mean, a long list that we associate as coming out of Abraham, what God really was referring to was uh, a nation that's formed through faith. So the fulfillment of this word came through the birth of Jesus Christ, where through faith, we become a part of the family of God. But this family is made up of many nations. And so we are a chosen generation, a holy nation. It's a large multitude that has come together through faith. And we call Abraham our father through faith and not through bloodline. But we have this word that deals with kings spoken to both Abraham and, and Sarah. And so we have our first king, which is King Saul. So when people say that God never desired kings, well, that's not what he said. The problem was the nation of Israel asked for a king like other nations. So if you go up to 1 Samuel 8, verse 5, it says, Behold, thou art old, this is what the nation of Israel saying to Samuel, and your sons walk not in thy ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. And this is what got them in trouble. And so God then explains to them in Samuel 8, 1 Samuel chapter 8, what this king would be like. And he goes through it and explained to them what it will be like to be reigned over by a king, to be ruled by a king. And the people didn't care. And so they agreed to it. And then God said, then I will select a king for you. And so God selects Saul. We have this description of Saul. At verse one, we know that Saul is the son of Kish. And it talks about being a part of the tribe of Benjamin. At verse two, we have a description of Saul. He was a good man, a goodly man, a choice young man. One interpretation says that he was a handsome young man. And the scripture says that he was uh, not, there weren't any among the children of Israel as goodlier than him. And from shoulders upward, he was higher than any other people. I believe this is not just a physical description, but it's also a spiritual assessment of this man, Saul. And so he's out one day as he's looking for his father's donkeys. And he and a servant has traveled and it lists several towns and locations that they traveled through, but they were not able to find these donkeys. And so the idea came to them that they should Go seek out the man of God. Let's go find a prophet. I believe there's a prophet in the area. So they go and search out Samuel. And they're seeking for help to locate these donkeys. It says that they arrived at the city where Samuel was there conducting a sacrifice. And so they were told that following the sacrifice, they should be able to find him. They were to go up to the high place. Now, what's interesting is Samuel knew Saul was on the way. So God had spoke to Samuel in his ear a day before. That's verse 15. And God says on tomorrow about this time, I will send thee a man out of the land of Benjamin. Thou shalt anoint him to be captain over my people Israel that he may 
save my people out of the hand of the Philistines. For I have looked upon my people because their cry is come unto me. Let me highlight this. So number one, he's going to be an anointed vessel. Number two, his position is called to be captain. So not just king, called to be captain. Number three, part of his assignment is salvation. He's to bring deliverance to the nation of Israel and bring them out of the hand of the Philistines. So there's a lot of details there in that this conversation God is having with Samuel. Well, at verse 17, Samuel saw Saul, and he says, Behold the man, this is what the Lord says, Behold the man whom I spake to thee of, the same shall reign over my people. So not just a captain in battle, he's to now reign over the people of God. He is called to be king and captain. It's a dual position that Saul had or carried. And I highlight this because uh, men like uh, Solomon, Solomon was a king, but he didn't hold these two dual positions. He had a different position. So he was, Solomon was a king. He was also a governor. Um, But we find Saul being a man of war, a captain over the Lord's host. So now this is what I want to highlight. At verse 12 is when Saul and Samuel are talking and Saul says to Samuel, am not I a Benjamite of the smallest of the tribes of Israel? So this statement reveals the thinking and the mindset of Saul. I am from the smallest tribe. Now understand there were 13 tribes. I know we say the 12 tribes, but no, there were 12 sons and 13 tribes. So there was no tribe of Joseph. There were two half tribes. So these were Joseph's sons. Both sons were elevated to the same status as their uncles. So they weren't grandchildren. They were blessed by Israel and they were adopted as sons of Israel. So they both received a tribe, but there were two half tribes. So then when you add them all up, you end up with 13 tribes. Well, out of those 13 Saul is saying, I am from the smallest tribe. And then he says, verse 21, and my family is the least of all the families of the tribe of Benjamin. He's explaining that, that how he sees his family, even from the smallest tribe, out of all the families a part of this small tribe, we are the least family amongst all of them. So he says to Samuel, wherefore then speakest thou so to me? In other words, I'm a little man. I'm not a big deal. We're not talking about physical size, but we're talking about the way that he sees himself. I am not a big deal and I am extremely insignificant. So what does, what is Samuel's response? Notice that verse 22, first Samuel nine twenty-two. Samuel took Saul and his servant brought them into the parlor, made them sit in the chiefest place among them that were bidden, which were 30 persons. Samuel put this dinner together, and I'm sure these were not insignificant people, but these were probably more than likely people of significance. Why? 
because Samuel's status. Samuel was called to be prophet over the nation of Israel. He wasn't just a prophet. He also had another role. He was judge over the nation of Israel. So I know a lot of people say, well, there was only 12 judges and they're counting the judges in the book of Judges. But that's not true. That role as judge was one that started with with Moses and it continues because Jesus is also called a judge. And Solomon was also called a judge. So there were many judges in the scripture. But Samuel was uh, a, a dual role of prophet. Here he is a judge. He's also a priest because he did all the sacrifices. And so for these men, these 30 individuals to be sitting in dinner with Samuel, these are people of significance. And Samuel takes Saul, sits him at the head of the table. Verse 23, Samuel says to the cook, bring the portion which I gave thee, of which I said, set it by thee. So he took a specific portion of meat, set it aside. At verse 24, the cook took up the shoulder and that which was upon it and set it before Saul. And Samuel said, behold, that which is left, set it before thee and eat. For unto this time hath it been kept for thee since I said, I have invited the people. So Saul did eat with Samuel that day. Now that statement, what Samuel is saying to Saul is, I knew you were coming. The Lord revealed that you were coming. So I set this dinner up and I had your portion taken out before you arrived. This is not an afterthought. This is not a, I hope we have enough food to feed 31. Or if we count his, his servant, 32 people now. We didn't count out enough portion for 32. No. Samuel is saying we took out the best portion and saved it for you. Now eat. Now I want you to notice at verse 25. When they were come down from the high place into the city, Samuel communed with Saul upon the top of the house, upon the top of the house. Verse 26. They arose early. It came to pass about the spring of the day that Samuel called Saul to the top of the house. So they keep going up to the high places and to the top of the houses. And he says, up, that I may send thee away. And Saul arose and they went out, both of them, he and Samuel abroad. Verse 27, and as they were going down to the end of the city, Samuel said to Saul, bid the servant pass on before us. And he passed on. But stand thou still a while that I may show thee the word of God. And then he begins to prophesy unto him. He pours the oil over his head. This is verse one. First Samuel 10 verse one. He kissed him and he anointed him to be captain over the Lord's inheritance. He is now anointed to be king. So now I want to go back because there are certain details in this story that I highlighted and I want to now explain. Saul saw himself as insignificant from the smallest tribe, from the least important family 
in the smallest tribe. But what does God do through Samuel? What does he do? Number one, come sit at the head of the table. You're no longer seated with everyone. You're no longer seated at the rear or at the back. You're no longer insignificant. I've moved your position. Physically through this act, this is a sign. Signs and wonders. Through this act, I've changed your position. Now you are at the head of the table. People will, will, will love to quote the scripture. We are the head and not the tail. But when God began to do these sort of signs and wonders, people often miss the sign. This is a shifting of thinking, a shifting of how we see ourselves. It should be a coming into agreement of how God sees me. And we have to have this balance because we're still humble that we're not puffed up in pride. But if you are the head, then that's what God has called you to be. If you're the king, that's not pride. That's a position God has called you to be. If you're called to rule, then that's what God has called you to be. That's not a pride thing. It's embracing the will of God for your life. You humbled yourself in due time. And then he said, I will exalt you. Or I should, I should say, we're called to humble ourselves and that God will exalt us in due time. But the exaltation as he is bringing us up to the next place, the next level, there's a need to transform our thinking. And so God is doing this through this physical act. Saul is brought to the head of the table. He's given the best piece of meat. This has been reserved for you. So no longer eating the scraps or eating the small portion. Now eat and be satisfied. Then the next thing he does is bring him up to the high place. They're in the high place. And then they came down. And then Samuel brings him back up to the top of the house so they can talk. And you see this pattern of, of natural elevation using these experiences, these physical acts to speak a spiritual word, word into the heart and mind and soul of Saul. What is God pushing on? His insecurities, how he sees himself. And it was important that this was handled before the transition. This had to be done before Saul could be anointed to be king. What's even more incredible is the prophetic word pronounced over him the next day. It talked about how God would turn his heart. He would run into a, a group of prophets. So, so he talks about all these things that would transpire during the day. He would run into a, a uh, company of prophets and how God was going to turn him into another man. All of this was a part of the process of him becoming king. There had to be a transformation in Saul's thinking regarding himself. Now let's for fast forward in this story. After David kills Goliath, the scripture says that David now was responsible for men of war and he's going in and out in front of the people of Israel. And so he's leading men into battle against the Philistines. 
They're going out, they're securing victories in war, and they're returning. This leads to the women now writing stories about David's conquests. And they began to sing songs about how Saul has slain his thousands, but David his tens thousands. And this made Saul angry. So if you go to 1 Samuel chapter 18, Saul is angry and it displeased him. And he talks about the songs that they're singing. And he says, what can he have more but the kingdom? And says, Saul eyed David from that day forward. And because he eyed David, watch this, verse 9. Let's look at it from a different translation. From that day forward, or from that time on, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. That's from the NLT version. Jealousy opened up Saul's heart, and it caused an evil spirit to come. And so at verse 10, it came to pass on tomorrow, on the morrow, that the evil spirit from God came upon Saul. He prophesied in the midst of the house. David played with his hand. And as other times, there was a javelin in Saul's hand. Saul always carried a javelin. And Saul cast the javelin, for he said, I will smite David even to the wall with it. And David avoided out of his presence Twice. I want to highlight one other story. If you go back to 1 Samuel chapter 13, this was the story where, where Samuel told Saul that he would come and do the burnt offering and the peace offering. And it says that he tarried for several days. So he didn't come at the appointed time. This is 1 Samuel chapter 13 at verse 8. He tarried seven days. This is Samuel according to the set time that Samuel had appointed. But Samuel came not to Gilgal, and the people were scattered from him. And Saul said, Bring hither a burnt offering to me and peace offering. And he offered the burnt offering. And it came to pass that as, as soon as he had made an end of the offering, the burnt offering, behold, Samuel came and Saul went out to meet him. And Samuel said, What have you done? And then Saul explains, because I saw that the people were scattered from me and that thou, had, uh, thou camest not within the days appointed and that the Philistines had gathered themselves together. He said, then for, therefore, I said, uh, uh, the Philistines will come down upon me to Gilgal and I have not made supplication unto the Lord. So I forced myself, therefore, and offered the burnt offering. And so he gets himself in trouble as a result of this, this. This is a result of insecurity. He said, I saw the people scattered from me. Saul, as revealed in the very beginning, was a very insecure man. He saw himself in a very low light. And so we see this pattern throughout his reign as king. Even if we, when we go back to the announcement of King Saul, the one who God has chosen to now reign over the nation of Israel, well, when they went to look for him, as they called his tribe forward, they called his family forward, Saul was missing. And so they had to send, send men to go find him, and they found him hiding. 
He didn't embrace the call. He didn't adjust his thinking or his mindset. And so now as you see his reign and these poor decisions that he's making is a result of his insecurities. And then God chooses David. And now David's presence produces jealousy and it produces or, or feeds the insecurity his, his need for validation. I need to be validated by the people, but he was validated by God. That validation should have counted more. It should have had more weight on it than anything that man can say. And so in that position of being validated by God and still clothed in humility, then, then nothing could cause him to get off track. He's a man with single eyed a uh, single focus on what God has called him to do, the assignment of warring against the Philistines. But what he's looking for is the celebration, the approval, and the validation from the nation of Israel, from the people. The man should have taken hold of those signs during his first encounter with the prophet, being called to the high place. Sit at the he- seated at the head of the table, given the best piece of meat. And yet Saul refused to change how he viewed himself. He refused to embrace what God has spoken regarding his life. Let me end with this final thought. Saul was an anointed vessel. The anointing does not fix how we see ourselves. We got to come into full agreement with God's word and embrace how he sees us and see ourselves through the lens of God. Thank you for joining us on today. Remember to like, share, and subscribe. Be blessed. You have been listening to Good Treasure Podcast Show with your Bible teacher, Darius Good. This was a Good Treasure Ministries production. Darius is the senior pastor of Bible Gospel Center and author of the books Unlocking Godly Wisdom, Fear of the Lord, David, Man of War, and the children's book series, The Adventures of Rai Rai. To learn more about these books or to listen to other episodes of our podcast show, visit our website today at DariusGood.com. For more information regarding the church, visit the church's website at bgc.family. We pray that today's episode has brought revelation and enlightenment. Please like, share, and subscribe to our podcast show. And until next time, may God open unto you his good treasure. Be blessed.